Hello everyone, welcome to Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Coons. Before we get started today, I want to give you a couple things. One is, if you like this podcast, please like and subscribe wherever you hear podcasts. It really helps to go this channel out. And second of all, before we get started here, let's have a word from our sponsor. Again everyone, welcome back to Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Coons. This podcast is going to be about the sound of freedom. I went there last night with my wife to go ahead and watch this film. I'm going to go ahead and try to uh, tell you guys what the film's about while keeping my thoughts in order because, honestly, it was a lot to take in. Really fast before I fully get started, if you guys don't want to hear any spoilers whatsoever, then I suggest you go ahead and hold the podcast and uh, go see the motion picture. I will have a description. In, I will have a uh, link in the description below so you can go ahead and purchase your tickets or you can purchase it for somebody else. However, if you're okay with listening to the podcast right now and hearing about The Sound of Freedom, then here we go. So, The Sound of Freedom originally is going to be about, I'm going to read it right here from IMDb, incredible true story from a former government agent turned vigilante who embarks on a dangerous mission to rescue hundreds of children from sex traffickers. Now, when I went over there, there are a couple things I was trying to experience before I would do the podcast. One was going to be about my, my experience at AMC Theater, and the second was about doing the movie review. So let's do this. First point. A lot of people were talking on TikTok and Instagram about how IMDb was having major issues with, like, technical issues with this movie. Um, from the AC not working, to the lights not working, to fire alarms pulled, to um, the sound not functioning, lights not working, the picture not working, pretty much if anything that you could experience as a movie go, um, short of a mass shooting taking place inside of a theater, that was what was going on. So I kind of went into this with a, I wonder if that's going to happen to me when I go with me, my wife and I, when we go to watch this film. So, uh, <laughs> I was not, I was open-minded but at the same time kind of hoping that nothing of great significance happened and luckily for me nothing of great significance did happen i went to my local amc theater which is pretty good nearby to where i live and it was easy we got inside sat down the staff was super friendly we uh no technical difficulties no fire alarms pulled nothing so there's that i uh, but everyone else has their own experiences and there that's that now going to the movie the movie is Absolutely. Well, it starts off. It's it. I believe it happens over in uh, obviously South America in the Mexico area. These children are um, kind of playing around, right? They have a little girl. She's uh, being on the drum. She's humming to it, kind of doing her own little jig. And there's an and she hears something outside. She goes downstairs and she hears a knock on the door. And it's this lady, very nice looking lady. Uh, she is standing in the doorway and she's speaking in Spanish. And she says, hi, are you... And I forget the name of the character. Um, and she says, you know, what's your name? She gives it. And then the father comes into the room and she goes, oh, this is your father. And he says, yes, yes, I'm your father. And he goes, listen, I listened to your daughter and she is absolutely amazing. She has talent. I heard her on the street. So I'm only assuming that this little girl was almost like a street performer too. How we see him, like even on Hollywood Boulevard or anyone else out there street performing. They basically go out there and they kind of bring their talents and their crafts onto the street and then play some music with the hopes of people throw change into their suitcase or whatever they want to do. Um, and this gal was somebody who was like a, almost like a talent, uh, going out there, seeing what kind of talent she could find. She thought this little girl had some talent, some skill, and she's knocking on the, on the door. So that's my, that's what I'm thinking happened, but it's never mentioned in the film. So later on, <clears throat> she 
it she sees the little boy too and says wow you're cute you know and you know i'm a talent agency and these little well, this little boy and this girl would be great for talent and they have great potential and why don't you swing them by and we're going to go ahead and show them off and whatnot and uh, take some pictures and stuff and you know, standard stuff for like talent for like modeling and so the father agreed because he this little girl's beaming like crazy i mean her smile is larger than the size of the equator at this point and so well you know what father wouldn't do that he didn't know any better I was like, yeah, sure, this would mean the world to her. Wow, this is great. So he dressed up in a suit and tie. They get onto the bus. The next scene, they drive over to the location. And they knock on the door. <clears throat> and the gal opens the door. Now, he goes in, uh, he's about to go inside to follow his kids. But the gal like puts her hand up and says, unfortunately, we can't let any parents pass this point. Uh, be back here at 7 o'clock p.m. sharp to pick up your kids. He's like, okay, fine. Well, he comes back. And the kids are gone. I'm thinking in my head, like, like most people be like, how stupid could you be, man? Can't you understand that? But I always have to say, guys, you have to understand this. He doesn't know any better. It's like you being put into a situation that you have no idea about and then expected to react properly. You're never going to do so. If you don't know how a wolf thinks, you don't know what, what to expect. So it goes over um, to the guy who is uh, to uh, the guy who is the agent, right? To uh, Tim Ballard. I am terrible at last names here, but Jim Kavenskill, Kavenskill, I am terrible at name last names here, folks. You know that. Jim plays his character Tim Ballard, <clears throat> and they're basically hunting down these uh, sex traffickers. He's in the back of a van, and and by the way, I'm not going to go through every single scene. I'm just going to go over ones that kind of like illustrate stuff to me because otherwise we're going to be here all day. He's sitting in a in a van, and they're tracking a computer source code, like a URL or something, basically like a VPN to block your uh, code. And it's from this guy over in uh, Calimex, Calimex, uh, Cal Calzico. It's the it's the city that borders between Mex is on the border directly between America and Mexico, located in California, just south of the Salton Sea. Or so what happens is. They're tracking him. They're tracking him. They're tracking him. And they're like, wait till he, if he uploads, we're going to lose everything. So they break in the house. They, they arrest this guy over um, selling photos of children illegally. And so this guy, Tim, decides to... I'm going to make sure here. Yes, Tim. I got it right. Uh, point one for me. Tim basically pulls him aside. You don't hear the whole conversation because it, I guess it's a big mystery. But he basically, in essence, convinces the pedophile that he is a pedophile too that he loves watching child pornography he really loves it oh god it's his fantasy and so this guy this pedo hooks him up with the little boy that you recently saw in the last films well last couple scenes and they've named him now teddy bear that's his name teddy bear and he's coming across through the border so he's able to get find this van that's transporting him. He's able to recognize a pedophile through his investigation and pulls Teddy aside, takes him and, and Teddy, they first of all, to make sure that this, uh, and his real name, I think is Miguel. They, uh, they make sure he's medically okay. And then they take him, excuse me, <clears throat> take him in to a restaurant and he begins asking him questions. And in the process of him having a burger and getting him some chocolate pops and whatnot and asking him very difficult questions because this kid just experienced absolute hell. 
the worst that people could possibly be, or at least one of the one of the dark places of hell in this world. He begins telling his story, and it's all about the sex trafficking ring, about how they find these children and whatnot. And in essence, um, Tim is able to contact his father, and his father shows up and is so grateful, but he can't leave his sister out because it was a brother and sister who was kidnapped. So he, so Tim goes on this little adventure and he meets a man named, I'm not kidding you, Vampir, Vampiro, who basically was a former mob, uh, cartel member and was really into uh, sex trafficking. But then realized through one of his experiences that he had sex with a 14-year-old. And he just looked into their eyes and had this experience that told him that he was, in essence, the hell she's experiencing in this world. This 14 other girls like him and other boys. So Tim and this, this guy, along with a couple of Columbia, um, uh, a Columbia businessman and um, a couple of others, basically buy this island and say that it's it's a trap for sex traffickers and so he makes this deal with the sex traffickers they have no idea it's total undercover operations <clears throat> and again they pretend to be these said <laughs> horny americans who are drunk and just want to have some sex with a bunch of kids and they just really want to get into it right they really want to and so after they buy this island, they get in contact with the sex traffickers. They work the system with them. They really cause them to think that, hey, this is the way to go. This is awesome. They get, say, if you do this thing, we're going to give you $100,000 to each of you. <clears throat> you guys are going to be so rich and wealthy. But he says that he wants to have a minimum of 50 kids show up to that island. And so when they show up, originally it was less than that. It was like 30 kids that showed up to the island. So he has a guy who is a former cartel agent and sex trafficker really kind of do all the talking and say, hey, you know, where's the rest of the kids, man? I thought there was supposed to be more. We were going to pay for this. And the gal answers, well, just wait. There's going to be more. And so they bring all the kids to the island, and it starts some of these guys, like uh, Tim, gets really concerned about, especially one of them. He is super, super, super concerned about. Um, I believe his name is uh, Fuego. And he is this guy who's just not... He's really basically... If you get in his way, he'll just shoot you in the head and take the kid and rape them. And so he tries to hold them off as long as possible. And they all kind of get the idea. So the guy who's a former mafia... Or sorry, the former cartel... Says, hey, come on, let's go have some more drinks. In essence, they do the raid, but it turns out the little girl that he was trying to find that he promised Miguel to find his sister wasn't there. So he goes back, after they do the raid, he goes back to the drawing board and said, okay, where the heck is this? And they say, well, there is one place here in South America that the authorities, the police, the military, nobody goes at all. It's down the river into the, to the like almost the Amazon, I believe. I believe it's right into there. And they say, if you go into there, there's no guarantee you're ever going to come back. And he said, well, imagine if it was your kid. And I don't understand that. One of the guys is working with the um, local law enforcement. He can't. He has orders that he can't go in. But the other two are rogue agents. So they can go in wherever they want to. They're not working for anybody else but themselves. So they. So right before they go in, the, the, the government of that location said, 
here, and they gave a tube like syringes, and you could tell they had tracking devices on them. So you can inject yourself with a tracker because you, you don't know if you're... So just in case they kill you, at least we can find your body. They go in. <clears throat> and in essence, Jim finds this little girl. And he does rescue her. And it's beautiful. And in the process, he has to kill one, the leader of the rebels. He has to kill them. And it doesn't show exactly how he does it. Uh, kind of like, I believe because in the end it looked like he had a chokehold on him. I think he strangled him to death. And they escape in the middle of the night. But the story, I mean, the story may have ended up on a happy note. But there are plenty other times where I've been hearing about how this has it. And then I start seeing when people have been talking about it. One was um, Blake Lively, Ryan Reynolds' wife. And I'm usually not one for pre for jumping on board with a lot of celebrities. But like Astrid Kutcher, um, Blake Lively, Ryan Reynolds... And I think Ashton Kutcher's wife, terrible at names with her, they were, she, Blake Lively did a speech where she was talking at a meet, at a convention, and she talked about how children nowadays, that sex trafficking is getting bigger and bigger, multi-billion dollar industry, that these children, when you're watching the porn, when you're watching into your addiction, at, at certain points, you become desensitized. It just doesn't get you... That dopamine hate you want to get doesn't get you that high you want. And so what they do is they go for younger and younger children all the way to infants. And she said she was so concerned. She said, well, what do you define infant? And they said the ones with the umbilical cord still attached. <laughs> they're popping them out of their mother's womb. And they're stealing them right there to put into sex trafficking. And the, and the sex acts, I will tell you on here, and this is where I'm going to say, if you have children, you might want to cover their ears, but... The sex acts that they're having these children do are things like bestiality, where they have up to penetration, where dogs or animals are penetrating these children with their penises. And people are penetrating them, too, and raping these little children. It's hard for me. I'm not a father of a, of a human child. I, have, I call my baby my dog. <laughs> That's how I roll. But I'm not a father of a human child, but it, it enraged me. I think all pedophiles deserve the one of the deepest pits of hell. I believe they should be castrated or killed. That's the way it is. I don't think they should spend any time in a prison. I think we should castrate them and kill them. That's just my humble... I, I can't give any apologies for that. I can't sit there on a podcast and go, we should try to reach them and this and that. We should try doing this and that. If you are going to rape children, molest and rape them, and sell them as sex trafficking. May God have mercy on your soul. Because God knows I will not have mercy on your soul. And I'm pretty sure I speak for everyone. I speak this righteous anger out. If I catch a pedophile trying to do something. You have one chance to get off that child. And I will hold you at gunpoint. Because I do have guns. I will hold you at gunpoint and call the cops. But if you're trying to get away. There's only one answer I'll give you. I won't shoot to stop you. I'll shoot to kill you. I will not stop. If it means saving that innocent child's life from what your barbaric, evil, satanic idea is going to happen, I'd rather see you dead bleeding on the ground. And trust me, I will, I will gladly stand before a judge. If I'm hauled before a court and told you shot and killed this person as they were a pedophile, and they say, how do you plead? I'll say guilty. 
I have no problem standing before a judge, and I sure as heck have no problem standing before the Almighty God Himself and answering for every bullet I put into them, if that were the case. And I think that if Christians would go, that's too egregious, then I say to them, what isn't egregious? Are we supposed to tolerate evil? Because what I've seen is if we tolerate evil, folks, and we give it a foothold, it grows. We're not supposed to give evil a foothold. We're supposed to be, uh, uh, we are not even supposed to be sitting down and just going, well, it'll take care of itself. It doesn't. We need to be actively against this. I made podcasts talking about how these, the alphabet group, these transgender pedophiles are coming for your children. We have seen in Florida, California, Texas, you name the state. They are bringing in this child pornography. They are grooming children for sex. I, I remember watching these videos of parents who bring forth books Telling, telling school board members, and the school board members say, you can't read that, it's inappropriate for this. It's like, wait a second, you're, give, you're telling me I can't read this book at a school board meeting because it is too gra- sexually graphic, but you're going to give it to my children <clears throat> and our elected leaders it's a, it, are, are, are not even hardly doing anything to stop this. Tim, Tim Ballard went before the Senate. And told them, or in Congress, I should say, Congress, and told them, we need to, years before, we need to build a wall at the southern border. Not just Donald Trump, who's like, build a wall, it's going to be amazing and beautiful, look at that, and oh, it's going to divide us. The wall is there to secure us, not just from invasion, but if we have the wall, Tim Ballard actually points out, if we have a wall put up, and we have ports of entry, these sex traffickers can't just go through gaps in the wall and just pour the children into sex trafficking. They need to go through ports of entry. That is where you have service people who are trained to recognize pedophilia, who are trained to help these children out, to arrest the pedophiles, to end this madness, to show them no quarter. That's what that wall's there for. And yet we make it a political issue. I was actually reading some more, and I goes, um, one that got me was Skillet, John Cooper from Skillet. He went to go see it, and I'm going to read his statement that he said on Instagram because I believe it's very beautifully stated here. John Cooper says, in the week, in the same week that media outlets such as Rolling Stones, the Rolling Stone, and the Guardian downplayed child sex trafficking, calling it QAnon conspiracies. I'm going to pause right here. I heard about that. Oh, it's just QAnon. This is all QAnon. It has far right winger belief. It's children, for God's sakes. Continuing on. And puns, um, pundits on the mainstream media, such as MSNBC, claimed that the messages found in The Sound of Freedom try to ingratiate um, human trafficking to create fear. Basically, to blow it out of proportion. You guys claim, like they're saying, you guys, you conservatives, you far right wingers, are making such a big deal of humans, of these child sex trafficking. It's really not a big deal. Come on. You sick freaks. <coughs> Excuse me. You want to undermine what sex trafficking, these the hell these is? Well, you know, I would have to assume you guys are in on it. Here's another one. Democrats in California blocked a bill that would make trafficking, child trafficking, a felony. <laughs> I saw that. Are you kidding me? The very same week. So the very same week, the uh, Sound of Freedom came out. 
Democrats in California blocked a bill that made child trafficking a felony. Now, here's the only good thing out of this. I'm going to quote, these people are, are liars. Thankfully, due to public outrage, they reversed course and passed the measure yesterday. These are people in positions of power and influence in the media, politics, Hollywood, and academic, academic institutions, etc., who are, in fact, coming after our kids. They love evil. They love um, perversion. They are relying on our fear of being labeled, quote, QAnon conspiracy theorists, right-wing extremists, diversive, and any other uh, word they can think of to get us to be silent. They are also trying to on. They are also relying on the astonishing, Im, impotent voice of the church. This is where I jump in. Who is more concerned about being winsome than fighting evil? Ain't that the freaking truth? <clears throat> Isn't that reality? Isn't that so reality? Where I've walked into churches, one of the reasons I started this podcast, I would go into churches and I would be like talking about there's issues going on in the real world and all the churches had to say was, guys, guys, let's worship, just worship. Oh my goodness. We don't need to argue or bigger. Why why we just, let's just worship. Let's keep our head up our butts. Let's keep our head up our asses. Oh, just worship. And I'm going, no, we need to be there fighting this thing. Oh, God. The sermonizing of evangelical uh, tone police is getting old, especially when they remain silent in the face of wickedness. Making peace with evil is an evil peace. I couldn't agree more. And his quote is from Proverbs chapter 28, verse 5. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. Folks, this is getting to the point where I'm going... We cannot tolerate this. We can't, as a church, we can't be saying, oh, <clears throat> you need to be worried less about how many people are in your dang pews and start worrying about, are we fighting the good fight? Instead of just, I'll be honest here, church can be rather monotonous, just boring as heck. What do you do? You show up, you hear a sermon. Oh, yes, it was what the Bible teaches. Blah, blah, blah. Let me just teach the Bible here. We need to be more than that. We're supposed to be a beacon in the community. We're supposed to be the ones fighting for justice in our communities, in our states, in our country. We are the voice of the moral system of our country. If not us, then who else? Because if we don't speak up, then it turns into Satan stepping in. And then we have to step back and go, well, <clears throat> you know, what if church attendance goes down? I can give a darn less about your church attendance. I sit on this podcast and I preach the good news, but at the same time I preach about how we need to make a stand and that we need to proclaim the gospel and fight against evil. That's what we have to do. And so far, followers are building on Spotify. Heck, Spotify even got me a, a sponsor themselves, which shows it grows. But when we have churches that are not willing to fight evil, evil will prevail. I'm going to leave this podcast on a quote um, that I heard from uh, from Jim Convince, from Jim. I'm just going to call him Jim. You can look him on IMDb. Where he quotes Ronald Reagan. And I'm going to go ahead and leave it on this quote for you guys. So go ahead and take a listen. And then I'm going to have a special message for him to you as we close. He said, now let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war. But there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this. 
But every lesson in history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is a specter our well-meaning Christian liberal friends, our, our priests, bishops, and pastors refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives us no choice between peace and war, only between fight and surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we will have to face the final demand, the final ultimatum. And what then? When Satan has told the people of this world, he knows what our answer is going to be. He has told them that we're retreating under the pressure of his Cold War, and someday when the time is right to deliver his final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary because, you see, by then, we will have been so weakened from within, spiritually, morally, economically. He believes this because from our side, he's heard voices pleading for peace at any price, or better read than dead, or as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees than die on his feet. And therein lies the road to war. because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. You and I know it and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Ridge have refused to fire the shot heard around the world? The martyrs of history were not fools, and our beloved dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis did not die in vain. Where then lies the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all, that you and I have the courage to tell our enemies. There is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond wow. which evil must yeah. not. I think it's a very powerful message that was out there, using Reagan's speech, but then changing it to a match to our Christianity. Because even though Reagan was talking in a general area, we all need to hear about this. And so I'm leaving you with that, my beloved that we may be able to change the world and end sex trafficking with children and other hu and just people in general and sex trafficking and, and human enslavement. So I will leave with Jim on this note because he has a special message to deliver to everyone. I do have a link below so you can go ahead and purchase your tickets if you'd like to go see it and, um, and he will explain more about what this link does. So until next time, may God richly bless you all, my dearly Beloved, I'm guessing some of you are feeling sad, maybe overwhelmed, or even a sense of fear, which is understandable. But living in fear isn't how we solve this problem. It's living in hope. It's believing that we can make a difference because we can. But I want to make one thing clear. This movie you just watched isn't about me or Tim Ballard. It's about those kids. You know, Steve Jobs once said, the most powerful person in the world is the storyteller. Abraham Lincoln credited Harriet Stowe when she wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin. This powerful story inspired millions to rise up and fight against slavery. I think we can make Sound of Freedom the Uncle Tom's Cabin of 21st century slavery. This film was actually made five years ago and wasn't released till now with every roadblock that you can imagine being tossed in the way. And the names you see here on the screen took a stand and they made sure this story could be shown to all of you. And now all of you have the opportunity to continue telling this story. We don't have big studio money to market this movie, but we have you. And the baton has now been passed to you. You are the storytellers that can get people to come see this film in theaters. When you come to a theater, you experience movies differently. There is no pause button. There are no distractions. We all have an experience as we watch the film together as a community. It makes it possible for strong messages like this one to take root. 
Sound of Freedom is a hero's tale, but I'm not talking about the character I play. It's the heroic brother and sister in this film that work to save each other. They are the true heroes. The most powerful person in this world is the storyteller. Together, we have a chance to make these two kids and the countless children that they represent the most powerful people in the world by telling their story in a way only the cinema can do. For a couple of months, while Sound of Freedom is in theaters, these kids can be more powerful than the cartel kingpins or presidents or congressmen or even tech billionaires. We believe this movie has the power to be a huge step forward toward ending child trafficking, but it will only have that effect if millions of people see it. Now, I know it's weird because we're in a theater, but feel free to pull out your phones and scan this QR code. We don't want finances to be the reason someone doesn't see this movie, so Angel Studios boldly has set up a pay it forward program where you can pay for someone else's ticket who might not otherwise see it. If you're able, we invite you to pay it forward by buying a ticket for someone else. Or if your budget is tight, share the already available free tickets with as many friends as you can, or do both. Join us and millions of others as we ring sound of freedom and hope throughout the world. And just remember this, God's children are not for sale. Thank you.